Happy New Year. <laughs> I forgot that. You know why? Because I still can't get my head around the fact that lots and lots of people around the world celebrate the New Year in a time that is probably the most unlikely. It's cold, wet, windy, the days are short, it's dark out there. How could you call this a New Year? Um, there are better times in the year that you can celebrate the New Year, but hey, uh, as a sign of unity, I did celebrate it. Uh, I did celebrate it at home with lots of kebabs uh, instead of turkeys. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, what I also noticed as well is that lots and lots of people take the New Year as a, a life-changing event. Um, but it's not really, is it? It's not a life-changing event. Um, it can be a point uh, where your life starts to change significantly, but the only thing that can really change your life significantly is where you stand in terms of your decision with Jesus Christ. The only thing that can change your life significantly is your approach to Jesus, how you, uh, you respond to him, the decisions that you make um, in light of him um, being God, our Savior. So if you're looking for something to change your life significantly, if you're looking for a life-changing event and you don't believe in Jesus already as your Lord and Savior, then let this be the year. And let this be the greatest start to any year. And you can do that by deciding to give your life to Jesus Christ, by deciding to put your faith in Him and allowing Him to take a lead on your life, by putting your faith in Him, recognizing Him as the one who died so that you can live. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know Him this way already, then don't let today pass by without you realizing that you actually need Him. I, I gave my life to Him about um, 17 years ago, when I was just about one year old. And I've never looked back. Uh, <laughs> Bill is saying, yeah, yeah. But um, it didn't mean that li life became great and there weren't any difficulties. In fact, the difficulties started from the first day I gave my life to Jesus. But um, I've never looked back. Because what you gain is so greater than what you give. And today we're going to be talking about what we can give uh, to God. Um, many of you have New Year resolutions. Uh, they don't make sense to me. Um, I was so happy when uh, I heard Mabush's New Year resolution was being kind to Sarush, but she actually didn't stick to it. Um, she gave up on it uh, a few hours after the New Year. So, uh, no, I still don't believe in them. Um, people in the Old Testament used to celebrate, um, obviously, the years as they go by, but there was a particular time um, that they would celebrate jubilantly, and it was called the Year of Jubilee every 49 to 50 years, hence the name that we have. Uh, it was a great year. It was called the year of the favor of the Lord. But as Christians, you can see that we have the name on us and we celebrate it, well, every week corporately. But as Christians, we have the right to celebrate it every moment of our lives. Every single second of our life, we can celebrate the year of Jubilee. We don't have to wait for 49 or 50 years. We don't have to wait even for the new year. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can celebrate it day in, day out. And we're all good at celebrating, as you could see today. So let's remember what Jesus has done for us, and let's thank God that we don't have to wait all those years to be able to celebrate what God has done for us. 
if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we're going through uh, the book of Jeremiah. Um, just like the book of Jeremiah, we don't have a particular structure because Jeremiah seems to be dropping up and down into different places. So we go from chapter 20 to 40 and then backwards. Um, this is the Bible. So it was put together this way, and we're going to respect that because we know that God had a reason for doing that. Today we're in chapter 40 uh, of the book of Jeremiah. Again, it's not in chronological order. Uh, it would have been great to read um, Lamentations maybe first and then come back to uh, chapter 40. But hey, I'm sure you've done that at home. Uh, many of you have done it already. Uh, just before we get on to chapter 40, a bit of background uh, on Jeremiah. Uh, what was his nickname? Somebody said it, the weeping prophet. Um, he was called the weeping prophet. Um, I guess he had um, prophetic significance. Uh, it's a uh, symbolic name of what, who Jeremiah was in light of knowing the heart of God. It wasn't a great nickname, particularly for a man and particularly for the culture. At the time, I can think of people uh, really making jokes of his name and calling him names and, oh, he's weeping, the crying, uh, weeping Jerry and all that. But um, it's prophetic. He was called a weeping prophet because he brought lots of prophecies. Uh, and he wasn't very popular because the prophecies that he brought uh, weren't approving of the heart of people, of what people at the time were doing of what they were doing, what they were thinking, uh, their, acts, their actions as the people of God. So he wasn't approving of them. He was saying, uh, he was bringing the word of God as he heard it, and people didn't like it. And what happens, uh, you've got two options, is to stick to the word of God, knowing that it's from God, and God always speaks the truth, or to try and adjust yourself and bring a word that people actually do like, uh, and we see that again in the Bible, and even in the book of Jeremiah, somebody brings a word that other people want to hear, and particularly the king. So you can either give in, or you can stand your ground, because you know that God never lies. God always speaks the truth. With Jeremiah, he made the right decision. He stuck to the word of God. He kept bringing what he heard from God, uh, even though uh, people didn't like it. Um, that didn't make life easy for him. Um, it cost him quite a lot. How much does it cost us to preach the word of God today? How much does it cost us to believe in Jesus, never mind preaching his word? Um, you might think, well, not much in this country. Um, where Jill and Andy live, and they will see people um, from nations who once were great nations, who once uh, had communities, Christian communities uh, amongst them. Uh, sometimes... Uh, one of the oldest communities of Christian people um, in a particular nation. And now those people have to run away uh, for their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So it does cost people uh, something. And even in this nation, it does cost us something uh, to speak the word of God. We're not very popular. But does that mean we'll have to adjust and give in? No, we'll keep on. We'll keep on going because we know that God never lies. We know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what this nation needs. And we'll keep preaching that message. We'll keep preaching the message that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the hope of the nations, and this nation is included. And I'll pray that this nation would never be in a position or in a situation where Christians have to run away from it, because it's always been a safe place for many, many people uh, from different nations and backgrounds and ethnic groups. Uh, and we've got to keep praying that God will keep it that way. But we want more than that. We want more than that. 
We want more than this for this nation, more than being a safe place for people to come and live together. We want it to be a place where God's name rules, where God's name is reigning. We want it to be a place where mighty men and women would stand up and be sent to the nations, just like they have been in the past, and they are already. We want it to be a place where the next generation stands up and takes pride in the name of Jesus Christ. With Jeremiah, he kept standing by, he kept bringing the message of God. Um, even after the fall of Jerusalem, he kept bringing the word of God. The words were a bit different this time. Not that Jeremiah changed his mind, but God brought a message of hope to his people. God brought even prophecies to the foreign nations, to the nations around. God gave a message of hope to people that I will rebuild you, I will bring you back again, I will keep a remnant amongst you. Um, and today, we're in chapter 40, where Jerusalem has already fallen, where King Nebuchadnezzar has come with his army, destroyed the, the, uh, the city, have taken people captive, um, taken the bright ones back to Babylon, um, and killed the rest. So we're going to read Jeremiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 6. If you've got a Bible, please turn to Jeremiah 40, verses 1 to 6. Uh, the words will also be on the screen. And I've got to warn you, if you think my name and surname are hard to pronounce, read this chapter. <laughs> You'll change your mind. Jeremiah 40. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah. When he took him bound in chains along with all the captives of Jerusalem and Judah, who were being exiled to Babylon, the captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God pronounced this disaster against this place. The Lord has brought it about and has done as he said. Because you sinned against the Lord and did not obey his voice, this thing has come upon you. Now, behold, I release you today from the chains on your hands. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come, and I will look after you well. But if it seems wrong to you to come with me to Babylon, do not come. See, the whole land is before you. Go wherever you think it good and right to go. If you remain, then return to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon appointed governor of the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people, or go wherever you think it right to go. So the captain of the guard gave him an allowance of food and a present, and let him go. Then Jeremiah went to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, at Mizpah, and lived with him among the people who were left in the land. Amazing. This is the word of God. This is what happened. This is what took place. The captain of the guard came to Jeremiah, pulled him to one side. Jeremiah was in chains, perhaps maybe by mistake, because he should have been freed the first time they got him, because King Nebuchadnezzar really liked him. The captain of the guard comes, realizes he's amongst the people going to exile, pulls him to one side. He says, no, he's, he's different. King Nebuchadnezzar has given a different order about him. Pulls him to one side, and it's not for the first time that somebody else, other than Jeremiah, who's actually not an Israelite, brings the word of God and recites the word that Jeremiah had given them. So the captain of the guard comes to Jeremiah and says what Jeremiah actually told people. He comes and says, God has done this. Like his news to Jeremiah. God has done this because you sinned against him. 
It's amazing, isn't it, that God is speaking through a non-believer and somebody who isn't actually part of the people of God at the time comes and is telling Jeremiah that this is happening because God said it will happen. As if he has more faith in the God of Israel than many Israelites. My fear is that it might be the case with some Christians as well, that people have to come and remind us of the words of God, that people have to come and say, remember, isn't this what your God said? Remember, isn't this what God promised to you? Remember. We've got to make sure that this doesn't happen. We've got to make sure that we're the ones, we're the voice of God. So the captain of the guard comes and says, this is what God has done. Okay. Uh, Where does that leave Jeremiah? He says to Jeremiah, you've got a few options. But why did the captain of the guard talk about God? And why did they like Jeremiah anyway? He wasn't popular among his own people. Why did they like him? They liked him because, first of all, he was saying positive things about them. And again, not deliberately, (laughs) because it was what God had said. But also because what he said came to take place. So they believed in him as an actual prophet. They recognized Jeremiah and they said, look, what you say is actually true because you said all of these and have all taken place. So we respect you. So to Babylonians, believing in many gods was okay as long as the god was doing something good for them. So they believed in the god of Jeremiah. They, they were okay with him. They were okay with calling him god. Yeah, you're another addition to our collection. Uh, you might go on top of the chart for the time being because it's Christmas and then people are voting for you and Jeremiah, your prophet, he said some words that were quite true. So you're, you're on top for the time being. Uh, King Neb, he had uh, quite respect for the God of Israel. 